Welcome to That Mom Life. I'm Sarah Jordan. And today I am joined by the amazing Aaron Bajorquez. And Aaron, you and I connected because we do have a mutual friend. And this is what I love. I always put out on Instagram, who do you think would be an amazing mom guest? And one of my friends, Marin, reached out and said, oh my gosh, you have to talk to my friend, Aaron. And she passionately discussed you because you two are both fitness instructors. Now, I know you, did you guys meet at the Shred 415? Um, yeah, Shred 415. Yes. 415, um, sorry. Yes. No, you're good. Um, yes, we did. So we went through the training together um, around almost two and a half years ago, three years ago. So you both are fitness instructors, but then you also are the digital marketing manager for American Beverage Marketers, correct? Correct. Yes, I am. And yeah. what what is American Beverage Marketers? Um, we are a cocktail mix company that's actually located um, in Southern Indiana in New Albany. Um, and so we have four different brands. We have um, one that's a consumer brand. So Master of Mixes, which, you know, you as a at-home consumer may see in the grocery store. Um, and then we also have what we term on-premise brands. Um, so those that mixologists, um, bartenders use behind the bar when you are out, you know, frequently, 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 again, can get that word out, a bar or a restaurant. So we have brands that we um, supply for those uh, resources as well. You're a busy little bee. I am. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So with that being said, let's go back a little bit further. So do you still live in Louisville? Um, I actually live in Sellersburg, Indiana. So I still Ah. live in Southern Indiana. Yes. Um, So I'm originally from Jeffersonville. Um, Jeff High graduate, a Red Devil. Um, I won't share the year because it'll give away my age. Um, No. Uh, But so from originally from Jeffersonville, moved to Charlestown, um, I think my junior year of high school, um, but stayed at Jeffersonville High School. Um, And then my husband and I recently moved to Sellers. Um, two things. One, I went to Floyd Central. Don't hate me. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I also used to live in Sellersburg and Jeffersonville. I was raised in the Knobs, but oh, okay. I lived around all of those areas. So very, very familiar. I was wondering, I was like, if you said you worked in Southern Indiana, I was just curious. Obviously, you could work there and live in Louisville, but usually I right. find it's the other way around. Southern Indiana right. people work in Louisville versus the other way. Right. So I love that. So you went to school at IU, which I also went to school at IU for a little while. And I have to say like Bloomington to me is the epitome of the college experience. (laughs) It's amazing. And I I mean, I had a different experience too, because I actually started at Indiana University Southeast and then transferred. Um, You know, I was kind of hesitant to leave, I would say, Southern Indiana because Bloomington can be um, intimidating, a little overwhelming. Um, But no, it was a great experience. I loved, um, I mean, you probably like me, I didn't want to go to IUS because I was like, oh, it's in my hometown. So then eventually I I started school in Evansville, went to IU. And then I was amazed. I was like, if you don't try hard enough, you won't see the same two people twice. Right. Um, right. <laughs> coming from the small towns that you and I do come from, it can be very overwhelming to be at that school. I mean, that school is huge. huge so, yeah. so um, when did you meet your husband along the way? 
Um, I actually met him in back here at home. Um, so he is originally from El Salvador. He moved to um, Miami when he was a junior in high school. Um, and one of his coaches, he moved to actually play baseball. And one of his coaches from his high school came to Louisville to coach. So um, they recruited him his freshman year. He moved to Louisville to play, but um, during college did an internship at Louisville Slugger. And my mom worked at Louisville Slugger for 42 years. So, wow. Yeah. So actually for probably, I would say a year, year and a half, my mom tried to set us up on a blind date and we both uh, declined. Um, we were, you know, it's like, now nah, here, I want you to meet my daughter and I'm, my mom. Oh, you have to meet this, this cute guy I work with. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do this. Um, and then I was out with my mother, we ran into him and my mom introduced us. And at that point forward, we've been together. <laughs> so your mom knew your husband now before you did. Before, correct. Yes. <laughs> and is that one of her, like her, or her biggest pride moments of guess what? I introduced my daughter to her husband. Always, always. And in fun fact, she actually worked with my brother-in-law as well, who ended up marrying my sister. So she has known both of her son-in-laws longer than their wives. You know what? That is truly impressive that she knows her children so well that yeah. she can be their matchmaker. Right. Yeah. She, she did a great job. <laughs> so how many siblings do you have? I'm just one sister, an older sister. Yeah. Her name is Whitney. Yes, we're three and a half years apart. So um, not a huge age difference, but enough that we really, um, I would say um, those years in high school were challenging, um, but, <laughs> but close now. I mean, I think that years in high school are challenging for basically anybody. Um, I was one of two. I had three siblings altogether. I was one of three. But me and my three sisters, all three of us were within four years. So at one point, it was like I was a freshman. My sister was a sophomore. My oldest sister was a senior. And I remember growing up, it felt like we never all got along at the same time. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah, it's so true. It's just a hard time in life. And like you said, in general, um, and especially someone, you know, I'm a freshman in high school and she's a senior where, of course, you know, little sister wants to tag along and um, she didn't enjoy that too much. <laughs> no. And I was definitely the little sister that wanted to tag along and I wanted to be friends with her friends. Although ironically enough, like my sister's best friend growing up is the one that introduced my husband and I. Oh, wow. Because her and I became good friends after college. Like it, I was always like her kid sister too, because again, I liked to tag along. So right. I kind of just inserted myself <laughs> to her friendship when I was little. We're talking right. like middle school little. Right. Oh, wow. That is a difference. <laughs> so, and so if ever since then, I, I ended up becoming really good friends with her. And now like, she's the one who introduced us. And she's always like, one of my mo biggest achievements is introducing you to your husband. Yeah. So I love that. I can honestly say I have never played matchmaker with anybody. I, I, me neither. And I said, and when you hear blind date, you know, of course we both were, you know, declined because it was just, you know, and I, you know, my mom had told me he played baseball at Louisville and I had dated some athletes and I was like, nah, just, you know, don't want to go that route right now. And, you know, lo and behold, we ended up together anyways. <laughs> and so how long have you guys been together now? Um, we've been married 14 years. Look at you. Yeah. Yeah. So we just celebrated in June, our 14th. You're, okay, so just this past month you celebrated yes. 14 years. 14 That's years. incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 amazing. I said, and not every year is um, 
perfect, but you know, it's the part of the challenge of just being married and, you know, you took a vow with someone and you just, you, you fight through everything that you need to battle through. And, you know, it's like, I can honestly 100% say like we are in 14 years later in the best place I think we've ever been in our relationship. And it takes work. I think you're hundred percent right. Like to assume that every day in 14 years would be picture perfect is ridiculous. And you're growing, you're changing. Life is changing rapidly all around you all the time. Being a parent is super difficult, especially when you're trying to figure out what's best for your kids and finding the middle ground and what you all can agree on together. Yep. So I totally agree with that. Yeah. Very difficult. But I said, it's just, it's a challenge that we have, we have tackled and it's, you know, very, I can say happily married. So how did you find your path towards a passion in the fitness realm? Oh, goodness. I'm really going to date myself now. Don't Um, do it. It's okay. (laughs) You're not dating yourself. You're young. Um, so when, well, I'll backtrack when, you know, sharing my story. So when I was at Jeffersonville high school, um, they had a a co-op program where I could work half a day, you know, um, outside of the school and then take classes half a day. So my senior year of high school, I did that, but instead of leaving school, I actually was employed at the high school. Um, so I worked closely with front office staff, um, with the principal, assistant principal, um, and one of their secretaries, um, she was like, oh, I take these classes called jazzercise. I was like, oh, and I was an athlete. So I'm like, what is that? And she's like, well, you know, I, this, the days I take and I actually clean the studio. So if you want to go and just, you know, experience it for yourself. So I went, took a class, um, again, just a senior in high school and, Uh, the owner actually asked me, she was like, well, if you have any time and would want to work the front desk for us, like we're looking, you know, for help in that capacity. I was like, all right. And she's like, I'll give you a free membership. It's like, perfect. So I started working the front desk and just, you know, took classes like crazy and then decided she approached me, you know, probably two years later and asked if I would be interested in being certified. And I was like, no, you know, I don't feel like it's a good time, but I finally did it like when I was around 21, 22, um, and literally have been in the industry ever since. <laughs> okay. If it makes you feel any better, when I was in college, I took a jazzercise class. <laughs> I I mean, I can tell you, I have taught a lot of formats. Um, they were kind of going through a rebrand at that time because I think a lot of people hear the word jazzercise and they think of leotards, obviously, and yeah. you know, just dancing. And they were kind of going through a rebrand where it was, they were incorporating a lot of kickboxing classes, step classes. Um, and so those were the bulk of what I taught just like specific strength training as well. And I loved it. It was just such a fun format to teach. Oh, and I will say like, I got my butt kicked by oh, some jazzercise yeah. <laughs> in, in, in college. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I, I love that you found one that your high school did such a true practical learning experience. I mean, you were doing paid internships without being called paint. I mean, I mean, I know it was called a co-op, but like right. such invaluable things that will completely change the trajectory of the rest of your life. Absolutely. It 100% did. I mean, I, you know, I can stick with the fitness topic, but when I, I was actually graduated and, um, a friend of mine worked for our administration building and they needed help. Um, in one area, there was a secretary that needed to take a leave of absence. And she was like, would you be willing to come over and just help, you know, for like the next four to five months? I was like, sure, no problem. Um, and then I stayed with the school district for 23 years. 
You say with the school district? Yes, for 23 years. So I started as a co-op and actually stayed and worked with the curriculum department for a while um, and then went into communications there. Um, and when I left, oversaw all of the communications for the school district. That's incredible. Yeah, it was a really long time. And it, again, it all started just from that co-op position at the high school. Anytime I talk to, and I'm sure you probably tell whether they're juniors, seniors, college students, I'm like, you need to go on job shadows. You mm-hmm. need to get internships, the part-time jobs. Like it is means the weight in gold to stand above the rest because you may simply know somebody or you may figure out very early on, I love this industry or, oh my gosh, this industry is nothing what I thought it would be. I need to change my major or whatever it may be. I think that that's just the best way to try to figure out like, what do you want to be when you grow up or where do I want to start or where's a good company that I want to work for? I always tell people clearly, I understand education. You get your education. You need your certifications. You need your degrees. But what makes you stand above the rest is the experience experience along the way. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, like looking at what I do now from a digital perspective, you know, I was in the communications position at the school district when, you know, Facebook didn't exist and it launched. And I had went to our superintendent at the time. I was like, okay, there's this new platform that's being launched and it's social. And he was like, absolutely not. We are not getting on social media. It's like, well, okay, well, we need to start playing in this area, you know, and that's that's kind of where I found my love for just strictly digital. Um, I just, you know, I fell in love with how it can work holistically from, you know, from social to just your your website. And especially now in, in my role, you know, how that translates back to sales overall. Um, it's just, it's fun for me. I enjoy every second of it. You know, it is, I think you and I are part of an interesting generation right now because we know the times of when social media started. Right. (laughs) And then watching it transform altogether in the last 15 years, but then watch how it's transformed businesses, social interaction and everything else like that, because we spent so much of our lives without it. That's exactly how I feel towards it too. It's like, I've seen it since the days of... (laughs) Um, of what it was when it was simply for college students. Right. And then it was a big deal when it was not just for college students. And then now, I mean, good God, how much data do you probably sift through and probably geek out trying to figure out the differences between the platforms, the new and upcoming thing? Is this a fad? How does this affect this? I mean, it's a hot mess. For instance, today, I just saw that TikTok is now doing video resumes. Uh And at first I was like, why is TikTok getting on board with this? But then I was like, a video resume? I mean, if you're wanting to showcase your personality for a certain kind of job, it's a lot easier to do that in a video than on a piece of paper. 100%. And when you look at, you know, what has transpired the last year where companies that weren't set up, I would say from a digital perspective, were they were thrown into it due to the pandemic. I mean, everything pretty much went digital. Um, so, you know, we I was very thankful, you know, we have a very strong, solid presence from a digital perspective. Um, you know, our brands that were on-premise brands were heavily impacted when restaurants closed and bars closed. And that was the way that we could still keep in touch with our bartenders and mixologists. And they took to social and they were creating cocktails and, you know, and it's like uh, the, the number of followers for those brands specifically doubled, you know, over the last six months. That's amazing. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, and it's, it's, it's just, it's a fun digital space. That is a fun area to work in. I have to say. Well, and I, I think you would obviously attest to this. I think it's a very challenging place to work in though, just because you're trying to stay on the cutting edge of here's what we should be doing or trying to set the trends versus follow the trends. I think right. that is where it becomes more difficult in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, that puts, I mean, that also puts you as to why you're the expert, but I definitely think that pre presents itself as just this constant thing that is exciting, but something you have to handle. Right. 100%. And what's funny is, you know, sometimes when there's this new and upcoming thing, I mean, obviously I'll read articles, but sometimes I hear it from my kids because they've already talked about it with their friends, you know, and luckily I have a daughter who is um, 12 years old, almost a teenager. And, you know, she'll come to me sometimes and be like, oh, mommy, did you know blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. New to me, but now let me, you know, research this a little bit more. So um, I would say that having two children around that age that, you know, 12 and 10, my, we, my son is not active on social media, but my daughter is to a point that I, I am on top of everything that she is doing. Um, you know, it, it does help to have kids around their teenage years. <laughs> My nephew is right around your daughter's age. And I can remember when his last birthday, I think when he turned 13, my sister was like, okay, now you can get it. Now you can start to get some social media. So I was like self helping him set up his Facebook page and then helping take his little profile pictures. And I've always, when I go out to high schools and colleges, I find them to be such a great free resource of what's that. I, I hate to even use the word cool. Cause that automatically means I'm not cool. <laughs> um, but it, it is an immediate, immediate detection as to what could possibly be the next up and coming thing or mm -hmm. something that you may still be all over, which you should stop being all over. Right. I've always like asked and stopped, especially like in a world of radio and music. Like, what are you listening to? Where are you hearing your music? What would you recommend? Like all of these things are just, again, research you can't afford to pay for, but you can get by asking right. the right questions. By asking the right questions. It's so true. It is so true. You know, and then that's why I said, I will, I mean, my kids and I are very extremely close. And so, you know, they're very upfront um, and honest with me about things. And, um, you know, it's just, it's those honest conversations, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, what are, what platforms are your friends using? And, you know, and, and I can say you have to have those honest conversations too with your your children, because if not, they'll go behind your back and open certain accounts. And, you know, luckily I've not had to deal with that because I feel like, you know, my husband and I have been very upfront and transparent with our kids and what that looks like and trusting them. You know, my daughter has a phone. My son does not. Um, she knows that at any point in time that we will check her, her texts. And um, I have access to, you know, all of her social um, on my own device. So it's just, you know, I'm, I know I'm digressing as far as what is no, no. for digital, but you know, it's, it's also just being um, very, very upfront and honest with your kids, especially around this age, because digital, while it's an amazing, I would say space to play in from, you know, my work perspective, um, not everyone that uses digital is on there for the correct reasons. <laughs> I feel like there's a person who I just had on my podcast that you would, um, greatly appreciate she helps run kiva over in louisville um, um, yeah. her name's courtney robison dixon she was like a college volleyball player but now is over at kiva and she just wrote a book that um is driven towards teenagers um it's about like living life in real time not just on your timeline 
mm-hmm. but it is a whole book about how to establish your self-esteem beyond social media and understanding what's on social media and stuff like that. So I think what you're saying is completely, it's not something you and I had to deal with when right. we were their ages. And right. I mean, good God, I, I know when I post something on any social media platform, I'm incessantly checking it and trying to figure out, oh, did someone like it? Oh, why did they like this one and not this picture? Oh, I should have led with, I mean, it could take for hours. And my husband, he's not on social media like at all. I mean, does not have a social media channel. So, I mean, he's just used to me being on it incessantly, but he's just like, why do you care so much? I'm like, because it makes you care. Right. Well, and I think that's also why Instagram, you know, um, they decided to do away with, well, you can go into your settings and change it. Um, but so that say you as Sarah, you, if I've changed it on my end and I post a picture, you can't see the number of likes it's to in that comparison factor. And, um, I, I, I think it, it, it's interesting that they did it. Um, but I, I did think it was very much so needed. So, we're winding back just a little bit because we started talking about your children. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to ask you at what age you had your children. Cause that is irrelevant, but um, you and your husband, so you got married and then you guys began having kids. Now were your pregnancies it, like pretty easy for you or were they difficult, challenging pregnancies? Uh, very challenging. Pregnancies. Really? Um, so we were married and I was pregnant. I found out I was pregnant maybe six months after we were married. Um, and I, I had actually had a, a miscarriage and then it, we had, we had the most challenging time after that, even conceiving. So, um, actually had to take fertility medication, um, and found out I was pregnant. Um, but when I had went to the doctor, they were like, okay, well, I'd had an ultrasound. They're like, well, we're seeing some, some things, then we're going to send you to a high risk specialist, but they wouldn't tell me exactly, you know, what was occurring. So I go over to the high risk doctor. I think we, I went the next day and, um, they're like, well, you're actually pregnant with triplets. So yeah. So I'll rewind at that point. You still couldn't have your first ultrasound until you were around 12 weeks. Um, so I was like 12 to 14 weeks at that time. So they told me that I was pregnant with triplets, but that they could see that I had miscarried two of them. Um, and one around eight weeks, one around like 10 to 11 weeks. Um, but that there was still one viable pregnancy. Um, and so one still beating heart, let me say that. Um, and so they termed me obviously high risk the whole time. So I would go over every three to four weeks for um, 3D, 4D ultrasounds um, so that they could check in on my daughter. And so, I mean, from that point forward, I was termed high risk, but I actually, you know, I didn't have many issues. Um, it was just that they were more worried about me losing her. So they were, um, you know, pretty, I would say thorough in how many times I needed to be seen and that kind of follow up. Um, but I actually carried her until 39 weeks. Um, and she was absolutely perfect when, you know, we had her, but, and then it was so interesting. I had had to have fertility, you know, to conceive her and I nursed her for a year and then 
I literally weaned her and then three weeks later found out I was pregnant with my son. Um, what? Yeah. So totally unexpected because we thought, okay, well, we've had to do the whole fertility rounds, you know, uh, to conceive her. We'll probably have to do it again. Um, and I always knew it's like I wanted to breastfeed for a year and she was very much so ready to be weaned right around that time. So it, you know, it just worked out. We're like, okay, well, you know, I'll completely wean her and then we'll just see what our next steps are. And yeah, sure enough, I found out about three to four weeks later that I was pregnant with my son. Um, but with my son, I went into labor, um, at 32 two weeks and was admitted to the hospital. Um, so they had to actually give me medication. They give you a round of um, shots in the back of your arms, everything just to stop your pregnancy, stop your contractions to see actually if the medication will work. Um, and it did. And so they sent me home on bed rest for five weeks. And then I went into labor literally 37 weeks to the day. So technically he was three weeks early, but I'd had a, you know, the full round of steroid injections that would help his lung development and all of that. So, but he was three weeks early. So, I mean, not the the easiest pregnancies by any mean. Um, yeah. And he was actually an emergency C-section because he was breached. Um, so yeah, it was, they've been two challenging pregnancies, but um, they, they're amazing kids. <laughs> What was it like finding out about the triplets, but then also finding out that you still had another beating heart? Um, I, at the moment, I would say I was, um, I mean, it was obviously you're excited and you're happy that you, you know, there's still one baby that they told me, you know, like this this baby still has a great heart rate. It looks like it will survive, you know, but um, I think there was, um, I know how my feelings are. And it was like, I was happy, but it was also trying to process how sad I was, but everybody in the room with me, um, I think there's that still that disconnect of um, people being able to understand a woman that is a going through a miscarriage or B being told that, you know, that it has happened where, you know, even the doctor at the time was like, be happy that you still have one viable pregnancy and, um, you're petite, you wouldn't have carried three babies. Well, I mean, that, I, that sticks out to me. I mean, it, from that point, I mean, this is, you know, 12 years later, 13 years later, actually from a pregnancy perspective that it's like, I, I was, I was so taken back in that moment. Just that, that bedside manner really wasn't there that it was wow. happy. You're still pregnant, but not really letting me have my feelings in that moment that I had, you know, lost two other babies. I mean, <laughs> I think bedside manner is a very interesting conversation in yeah. general, but I think you're right about uh, the miscarriage conversation that I think it's something that has gotten a lot better as mm -hmm. I think it has been more of a less of a taboo topic and more women are so much more open about talking about it because I think it affects so many more women than anybody ever really realized. Absolutely. I certainly, when I was in high school, I didn't know about it with anybody going on, but I mean, now that I have three kids and my friends have anywhere from one to four children or heck I have a friend with seven children. I mean, it, now I hear about it all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think handling that situation, um, is so fragile. And I've actually had a couple of friends who have dealt with a more similar situation, even to yours too, about losing one of the twins and or triplets in utero. Oh, and wow. I mean, that is, 
something that, I mean, oh gosh, I mean, my one friend continues to go to her other daughter's cemetery and it, it, it was more later on in the pregnancy that it did occur. Um, but it, it is just something that you never know what someone's going through. And, uh, it's never something that as soon as I learned the fact actually from, from the Kentucky fertility Institute, cause there was a client, they were like one in eight women have fertility issues. So if there's more than eight women in a room, someone has had some sort of struggle, right. whether that be, they can't get pregnant or they're taking for, they've taken fertility medications or they've had mi- miscarriages that many women are having some sort of issues. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's so common. It is so common. And I mean, even going back to the, the digital conversation, I see so many women sharing it publicly. Yes. Now. Yes. Um, where it's like, I, I get overwhelmed because I'm like, that really didn't exist, you know, when no. I was pregnant and it's, it's, it's still, it's so hush hush, you know, and it, it's also, oh, you know, Aaron, you have, you know, a baby still with a beating heart. So let's focus on the positive and let's move forward. What's like, okay, well, where, where are these women that I can, that can give me advice on how to process my emotions and what exactly am I going through? You know, it's just, um, I did feel very, very, I would say alone and, you know, no knock on my husband at all, but I also think it's very hard for men to understand yeah. um, that there's, they they just cannot relate on that level, even though he was so supportive. It's still just very hard to relate to. And I've had that conversation with my husband too. I mean, it could be something as simple as like, for instance, trying to work out and figure out your own new skin again after you've had multiple children. Right. And and he was like, I understand what you're going through. I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. He's like, you know what I mean? And I know he's not trying to be that way. It's just an right. instant trigger. Right. Um, so <laughs> I... I will say I've had a, a friends of mine got had went on fertility medication, had twins. And then the same, it was like at their six week checkup, they thought they were going to have fertility issues again. No, she was already pregnant by her six week checkup. Mm-hmm. So she ended up having three kids in 12 months um, oh, wow. because <laughs> she oh. thought she was going to have issues the second time. Didn't think she would need to worry about anything. And nope, her body was ready to go. Oh, but wow. are you, so are your kids about 22 months apart? They're 21 months apart. Yeah. So I would, the reason why I knew that somewhat specifically, I'm not a math wizard. So yeah. I also have um, breastfed all of my children to roughly a year, if not just past it, like 14, 15 months. Uh-huh. And I, I remember on my son's first birthday, I was like, you know, maybe we should start trying again. And then within the next four weeks, we were pregnant. So I knew that their time frame was probably something similar. I mean, I remember I I found out I was pregnant. I was still breastfeeding my son. And I was like, um, and he's my oldest. I was like, I think I'm going to stop this for a minute because I mean, I'm already pregnant and giving up my body again for the next 40 weeks. And then another year beyond that, I need like at least a couple month break. (laughs) So true. Oh, that's so true. I mean, that's literally, I mean, I had weaned my daughter and, um, found out I was pregnant and I breastfed my son as well. And it was like, once I weaned him, that was one of the first things I said to my husband was my body has not been mine for the last four years. Like it has not been mine at all. So, I mean, it was like, I I would never, ever take back any of those moments. It's like, man, I didn't have one break just to like, you know, like have my body. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's a challenging time when they're that close. Well, 
It's an, it is. And then, so I have three, the first two are that close. And then my daughter came along about three and a half years later. So then I had a bigger gap and I forgot. So mm-hmm. I had gotten my body back together. I had reclaimed my body and everything. So then I got pregnant with her. And my first reaction was, oh my gosh, my body, I'm about to give up the next two years again. Yeah. And it, it, I feel selfish saying it because I, like you, would not take back anything. Absolutely love that I was able to be able to breastfeed my children mm-hmm. and carry them in a healthy way. But I remember it was actually, I was talking to a girl on my podcast, this podcast, and she is a sleep trainer. And my 15 month old was not sleeping. My daughter's only 20 months old now. Mm-hmm. And I was, I, I ended up hiring her and I was like, please help me because I'm not sleeping. I'm breastfeeding. I'm home all the time. Like I'm not me. Right. I, it was like, I, I feel like I'm losing who me is and I'm right. 15 months postpartum. Right. And so I ended up stopping breastfeeding that day. I did the coaching session with her. And I feel like ever since February, I've been slowly figuring out who the new me is. Right. And my friends and I often call it like the fourth trimester. When really a a woman is figuring back out how to handle life, herself, her body. Um, And it's a lot. It's so much more than I think what people assume. Like, oh, you're off on maternity leave and then you're just going to bounce back. And it's like, whoa, your body, you don't just bounce back. back. And it's so funny. I just had this conversation um, with a a client as well. And I can see she was very, very active pre-pregnancy, very active throughout her pregnancy. She's like, I just want to do all of these things. And I'm like, well, you can't, you just had a baby probably. And I was like, your, your daughter's like eight weeks old, eight, nine weeks old. I'm like, give your body time. Like it took literally of 40 weeks. Like it, you're not going to just be right back where you started. And it's just giving yourself grace. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, they're diff- difficult times, and I would say, especially having them twenty one months apart. And my daughter was colic, and no one ever had those conversations with me about what a colic baby entailed. I had no idea, so I was nursing and um, basically walking in circles for hours on end just for my daughter to sleep for ten minutes at a time. Um, I would say for a good six months, I was I was in pure zombie mode is what I felt like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Challenging for sure, but so rewarding. I, oh, completely. But you're right. There are those first beginning months. Cause I mean, my daughter, I had her right before the ban- pandemic started. Like I was back to work oh, wow. for five weeks and then we shut down. And there were times where I could only get her to nap by holding her. So then I would hold her in the middle of the afternoon for two hours while hosting Zoom meetings and stuff like that. My arms are falling asleep. I have to pee, but I'm not going to get up. Right. And it just turned into this, like, I had any, you just have to go into this haze and you're, I I agree with you. I mean, I went 15 months without sleeping more than two hours at a time. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I got to a point where I was like, enough is enough. But I mean, I just think that first year, it's so much beyond the first six weeks of what, however long your maternity deal is, eight weeks, 12 weeks. It's never enough um, no, never because enough. then they go through a different phase or they're in a new growth spurt and you're all back in it again. So, I mean, it's a never right. anything. It is the most amazing thing. And I will always say the most spiritual experience I've ever had is growing a human mm-hmm. and then giving birth to the human. Right. And then I'm staring at them. And I think once a day, I still look at them and I'm like, wait a second. You're mine. Like I made you and you're growing into an awesome, tiny human. And that's a lot. 
right and wait until they're you know 12 well my daughter turns 12 in like two weeks so if i term her 11 right now she gets angry with me so wait until they're 12 and um you're sitting on the couch with them and having full-blown conversations and you're like wow you are me like you are 100 me and some of the things that are wonderful about them are you and then some of the things that are so frustrating and you're like i am sitting here having this conversation with myself who is going to win this argument i mean it's it's an interesting turn of events the older that they get oh completely i mean my son is he's going to be eight in two about two weeks three weeks Um, and the way he talks about some stuff I'm just like, where did, how do you even know what that word oh, means? means? Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> so bizarre, especially with him. Um, Cause I'm an almost second grader, almost first grader, and then a 20 month old. Oh, wow. So oh, like, wow. there's a lovely range of figuring out life in that. And then of course you were at all this time. So you have your two children, your daughter, and then your son, mm-hmm. and you have your full-time job, which was with the school corporation for a while. And now it's where you are now, but mm-hmm. then you've maintained being a fitness instructor, this instructor the entire time. So I beg to ask the question, how did you manage maintaining the fitness instructor side? Because I would have to imagine it was just a huge key piece for you that you wanted to take on the extra time. Huge. Um, And I'll say I stepped away um, after I had my son, I stepped away from the industry for about a year. Um, and it goes back to, you know, what we were talking about as far as not even having my body to myself, but then it was like, okay, here's this one thing that is really my passion. And it's like, I didn't even have that anymore, but I didn't feel like I could give it my full attention with two basically babies at home at the time. Um, and then I finally, you know, I went to my husband and it was like, I have, I have to go back. I just, I missed it so much. Um, but from being able to actually teach, I would have to say, you know, a lot of it is, is his support 100%. Um, you know, especially now with the kids and, you know, obviously not during COVID, but um, pre-COVID and now that things are opening back up, they have a lot of activities, um, no doubt about it. And luckily with a lot of things, I schedule my classes around what, you know, their school schedule is. I tend to teach a lot at 6 a.m. So that's, you know, my goal is to always be the least disruption to the family. So, you know, if, I, if that requires me getting up at, you know, four thirty, five o'clock in the morning so that I can still go and live out my passion in the fitness world, um, I just make sure that I schedule everything around them as well. The only th- I've I've discovered fitness again, and obviously I am not a fitness instructor by any means. I'm the woman that all of a sudden realized, oh, wait, I'm at my post baby weight 15 months later. Um, and I just discovered that, that morning time was the time that like I enjoy getting up before the rest of the house. Yeah. I, I want to have a cup of coffee in peace and get my mind together. I want to, wor- to work out before everyone's awake because I feel like you, it's like, I don't care how many times it's like, don't feel guilty, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I can't stop the mom guilt from feeling real. Right. And so for me, if I'm carving out that little time for me in the beginning of the day, then I don't feel any of that guilt anymore. Right. Uh, and that's it's so, so true. And, you know, that's even for me now just to find the time that I can work out myself, um, you know, that sometimes will double my schedule where there's weeks, you know, and I, I 
shouldn't say this, but it's, you know, if I'm teaching eight classes a week and my kids have, you know, practices or games and maybe my husband is traveling for work or I'm ending up traveling for work, you know, it's hard for me to even get in my own workouts. Um, But it's just so satisfying to me. I love nothing more than being on a microphone and and coaching clients. Um, It's just it literally is all about like the community and watching people that come in for the first time and know that, you know, group fitness isn't for everyone and walking into those studios can be so intimidating. Um, But just watching those that fall in love with it and, you know, them share their successes with us or, you know, share it on social. And uh, I just, it's so rewarding for me. I mean, I have to say the people that I know that are associated specifically with your company, mm-hmm. I mean, they are obsessed. They love it. They talk about it all the time. Um, do you know Michael Clemens? Oh, yes. Very well. So Michael is <laughs> has become a good friend of mine through work as well. And so I always see his stuff. And then I see Marin's, and I'm like, this has got to be a great little community of people because they all know each other. And... <laughs> It is. And, and it's it's funny because, you know, specifically Marin and Michael and then, um, you know, there were a couple of other instructors. I mean, Shred was not in Louisville, you know, and so we didn't really have um, a studio to go take class to see, you know, what this format even looks like. And our, our owner, you know, reached out to all of us individually and asked if we would, you know, want to audition. So we were, we term ourselves the OGs, you know, we auditioned and we all got trained together. And um, it's just been, it's been fun to watch the community grow. I mean, obviously we have our Highlands location and Hurstmorn is celebrating a year right now. So it's, it's just been fun to be part of that community and just watch it take off. It is, it really is a fun format to coach. And I, I feel like it's even more fun to take. It just 60 minutes goes by so fast. And those are my kind of workouts. <laughs> yes. I mean, good God, sometimes the idea of even finding 60 minutes, I'm like 30 minutes is my average. I don't want to do any less. I always feel better if I do a little bit more, um, like 40 to 45, if I hit 60, well, then it's probably the weekend because I'm not trying to finish my workout. Right. To work. Well, and that's the best part about this format too, is that, I mean, it's 30 minutes of cardio on the treadmill, whether you're, you know, walking or running and then 30 minutes of strength, um, on the floor exercises. So you're getting that combination of work where it's, you know, I'm not spending an hour on the treadmill and then I have to find more time to lift weights. I mean, it is all put together in a hit workout and 60 minutes. And literally I just, it, I have loved every single second of it. And I can say even being in the fitness industry for 20 years, my own body, I have never responded to a workout like I have shred. Now, do your kids, are they inspired to like exercise or are they athletes to do something since they've obviously seen you do that your whole since they've known you? Yeah, they are. Um, And they've, I mean, obviously they know my husband's history as well. I mean, to be a division one athlete. athlete. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's funny though, because obviously my husband played baseball and the one sport that my son no longer wants to play anymore is baseball, (laughs) but um, no, very active. Um, Both play basketball and they both play golf as well. Um, But my daughter broke her arm about two and a half, three weeks ago. 
um, I would say that was probably the most devastating part for her is that she had, they both play um, junior PGA and she had only had two matches for the summer. So it's like here things are starting to open back up and they didn't get to play last year due to the pandemic. And then she broke her arm. So um, no sports for her for a while. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. She was very, very upset, but she's, she's taking it in stride. I have to give it to her. So what is your next goal? Do you have, you are obviously a very goal driven person. If you can manage what you can manage while being a mom, two jobs, do you have like a next step? Next step. That's a really, well, I mean, I feel like I just asked you an interview question, like a legit job. <laughs> so please feel free to answer that as small as possible. Like I'm going to learn five new recipes this month. Um, you know, I'm obviously, I mean, I can totally share my age. I mean, I'm, I'm just turned 41. So, you know, it's, it's never too soon to think about retirement either. I mean, obviously I'm, I'm not ready. I'm not there yet, but those are the kind of conversations that my husband and I are, we've had. I mean, um, you know, it's like, where do we want to be when we're 50? You know, like right now we're, we're having the conversations, like, where do we want to send the kids to high school? But, you know, next step for, me per se, um, I would say, you know, three years ago, I, I, I literally turned, I turned my world upside down and it was the absolute best decision I've ever done, which was to change careers, um, go in, you know, start teaching shred as well. Um, we built a new house. I mean, literally everything was in the same year. Um, and to me, that was kind of, you know, you can't be scared to take those leaps. Sometimes it is about goal setting, but sometimes it's just about setting back and going, okay, where do I want to be? And is, is this, is my current situation making me my happiest? And I knew at that time it wasn't. Um, and I knew that I needed to make some shifts and it was scary. I won't lie. Um, but I've never been happier. You know what? I do think your story is wonderful from how you look at the world to how you look at parenting your children to fitness being a part of life, regardless of your age. And I will say too, like the learning something new part when it comes to working out and trying something new, because I'm the, I'm your typical, um, I'm not boomerang or seesaw. Like I'll work out for four months and then I won't work out for six months and then I gain the weight. So I'll start working out again for six months and then I won't for four months. Like this cycle is the worst, but I think finding yourself again and again, and especially as a mother and you do give up so much so you can raise a little life. I do think it's so important for you to be able to find your path again as a woman and as a mother and as, and as a mom, but all together in the same person. And I think you really embody that to me. Oh, thank you. So <laughs> I, you, you have been wonderful and I can see why you get behind a mic and teach classes. Like I, between you, Meredith and Michael, I have no idea how I haven't gone to one of your classes, <laughs> but I feel like I'm, I'm now that I've been like working out and don't judge me between my elliptical and my Peloton the last six months, I feel like I have gotten a little bit of physical stamina to be able to maintain something. <laughs> That's what I always, I mean, whether you're a client of mine or just moving outside of the studio, that's what I always encourage people. And it's funny, just when people know you're in the fitness industry, they'll automatically ask you for advice, you know, and it's just like, just, just move. I mean, that's what I always encourage people to do is just move because to me, that is a complete shift in the mindset. Um, and then the more natural the endorphins are that kick in people, I mean, it really is rewarding and 
I always encourage clients, you know, don't look at it as a punishment, like come in and look at it. Like, and I say it constantly when I'm on the mic, like it really is a privilege to, you know, go in those four walls and move. It, it really is a privilege to me. You know, the one thing that helped me, and I agree with you, I am a hundred percent, as long as I'm on board the train, mm -hmm. I will keep moving. But as soon as I start deviating too many days in a row, unless it's for like, oh, a vacation or something like that, um, I can, it becomes so much easier to just be like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, I'll do it tomorrow, which is also part of the reason why I do it at the beginning of the day, because I am less likely to make excuses in the morning. If I put it off, I'll keep finding reasons not to do it once everyone's awake. But I digress. For me, one of my best friends is a dietitian. Her, she also is like helps people with their fitness as well. I mean, she's all of it. And she, that's her biggest thing too, is like, you have to move your body. And I put back on my watch. I realized during the pandemic and on maternity leave, I took off my watch and by watch, I mean my Apple watch that was calculating all of my steps and my movement. And I think I almost did it as a way to avoid to see how much I wasn't doing. Mm -hmm. because the second I put it back on and became aware of what I was doing, I was encouraged to do more. I mean, last night we were traveling home from a family trip that we had to make. And of course my move counts and my stand counts were off because I was stuck in a car for seven hours. Right. And I was like, I haven't missed my move goal since January. <laughs> so my husband is laying in bed. We're watching the office for the bazillionth time. And I paced around the bedroom for the entire episode of the office, just so I would hit my move goal. For the day. I was going to say, you probably got up and walked. That is, so I did. <laughs> yes. I did. There have been so many different times where I have gotten up and paced the bedroom or if the kids are still awake, we'll start running laps around the house and they follow me like in a little train formation. And we just keep moving when it's like so close because I've become that ridiculous. My husband was like, why do you care? You know that you've done this or you've done that. It's just your watch telling you that. I'm like, but I need my watch to tell me. <laughs> I need my watch to tell me. I need my watch to tell me I closed all three rings. I mean, exactly. I need this in my life. But I, I mean, literally I have an instructors that, I mean, they work out just as much as I do. And they don't even own a watch. And I'm like, how do you not wear a watch and know what you've burned and know how many steps you have? And it's like, it's so funny. Because some amazing. people thrive on getting their sticker on a sticker chart, <laughs> AKA my badges that mean nothing on my watch. <laughs> I, I do thrive on that. Um, I'm trying to, it's not appreciation. I mean, it's like a reward system. Yeah, yes. I need that reward system. It has trained me yeah. to expect it. <laughs> it's so funny because I'm the exact same way. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, several of my friends are like that too. It's like, I just need that reiteration from my watch that you did it. You did good. Do it again tomorrow. You got yeah. this. And my watch will tell me just that. So, well, Aaron, thank you so much for joining me today. You have been delightful and thank you for continuing to do what you do. And you are inspiring people all the time, whether it's at your job or in the four walls, being a fitness instructor, you are incredible. So thank you so much for taking the time today. Of course. Thank you. Now come visit us at Shred. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect.